I'm your host, Grace, and welcome to No Longer Strangers. Each week, I invite a friend or a stranger that turned into a friend and talk about anything you would around the dinner table. This week's episode is different because I'm inviting you to my dinner table and sharing more of who I am as your host. One friend even said, I'm starting to think that the real stranger is the host. So today I will be sharing a deeply honest piece of my heart. Think of it like a spoken journal, a journal filled with heartache, victories, and God's faithfulness all throughout the pages. In this episode, I walk you through some of the outcomes of becoming more aware of myself, this world, and God more clearly and accurately. I also answer some of your questions you sent via Instagram. With that, here's my first full solo episode where I share more of who I am and hopefully become no longer strangers. Enjoy! Last week, a childhood friend said, Grace, I feel like you found yourself this year. To which I replied, you literally have no idea how true that sentence is. I think the difference between the grace she sees now compared to the grace she knew 10 or even two years ago is that this grace is more secure. Secure not because her life is without risk, but because her life is with Christ. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, I would say all of this growth happened within a year. Literally one year ago, September 25th. I dragged my weary feet to a biblical counselor and sat in a chair that felt nothing like home. My heart sitting on my lap broken, my smile masking the wails of my broken heart, my body crying out for help yet landing on deaf ears, my tears of grief and guilt clouding my days, making it hard to see the light, the true light of this world. At that point, it had been 16 months since she left this earth, 20 months since I last held her warm hands. The same hands that snuck a jar of homemade kimchi in a friend's purse as an act of love. The same hands that peel the skin off each grape just because a brat like me refused to eat grapes with the skin on it. The same hands that worshipped the very savior that was the target of my fist full of bitterness. Her name is Harmony, Grandma. But she wasn't just my grandma. She was the lover of my soul and the keeper of my heart. She loved me with no catch. A love so grand that being her granddaughter was the greatest gift of my life. That's why her death arrived like a thief, ruthless and cold, robbing me of something that's worth more than gold. All of a sudden, I'm left with figuring how to navigate this world without my world, my harmony in it. For some time, I navigated this new world by hiding, avoiding, and running. Hiding from pain, avoiding myself, and running away from God. Even the pages in my journals were as surface level as the leather covers. Pages filled with words from the Bible and the quote-unquote right words. Words like, God loves me, Jesus died for me. All true, but not reflective of my crushed soul. More afraid to be honest because being honest means facing reality. A reality without her here. That's why the first few sessions of counseling was like a living hell. It required me not to only be honest with myself, but be honest with God. Each session tore down the walls of stone and broke open the dam that rushed the floodgates that are my feelings. Not just any feelings, but my raw, heartbreakingly honest and vulnerable feelings. 
not too long until my grief and my fears unraveled and spilled over into my journal, and more importantly, into God's hands. Fears like, what if I'm alone or even worse, lonely forever? What if no one fully knows and deeply loves me? What if the pain never goes away? What if no one can sit with me in my grief? What if the healing never comes? Unlike my grandma's hands, his hands can handle both the ocean and the violent storm within me. He's not overwhelmed by me, even though I'm overwhelmed by everything around me. His spirit dwells in me. His ears are not deaf to my cries. His hands wipe away every tear in his embrace. His embrace eases my anxious soul. In him, my soul can rest. It was in these moments, in my mess, in my disobedience, in my sin, in my brokenness, that God met me exactly where I was, wooed me off my weary feet, and reminded me of who created my harmony in me in the first place. And because of that, who's the one worthy of my trust? Trust looks like this journal entry four months into counseling. I think what's different with this week, this season, is that it's less lonely. Not because more people showed up, but because God dwells in me. It's this dichotomy of feeling loved by God, but also grieved by the brokenness of this world. Both can be felt together. It's okay to allow yourself to feel. It's okay to be sad for all the milestones you'll hit without her. It's okay to be honest. It's okay because he's with me in all these moments. I don't know what tomorrow or the rest of this year holds, but I've come to know the one that created days, weeks, and seasons, meaning I can face tomorrow because of his presence. So I guess you could say 2020 is the year where God turned my season of mourning into a season of dancing. But it's also a year where I became more aware of who I am and who God has always been and will always be. Who knew sitting in front of a counselor would be more like looking at a mirror? A mirror staring back at me and all my flaws? That's the thing. It doesn't hide or filter out the parts that I don't want to see. Oftentimes, it's overwhelming because, let's be honest, I don't even want to admit to myself that I'm far more broken and sinful than I think. Yet this awareness leaves me finding God all the more beautiful and gracious than I will ever know. This new season also leaves me finding God to be a gardener, and my heart is a garden full of weeds, deeply rooted idols, and a soil of security that looks more like sinking sand. A foundation so insecure and unstable that it stands no chance of surviving. There needed to be an uprooting, removing the weeds that stripped me from thriving, replacing my sinking sand with a solid rock that is himself, and quenching my thirst with the living water. There, the garden of my heart blooms because of his care. But don't be fooled. Uprooting is both painful and sobering. Painful because my security is being swept under my feet, letting go of everything I built my life upon. Sobering because I'm met with the limitedness of my humanity and the consequences of putting created things above the creator. This creator earthquaked my entire world because my foundation was made up of rocky relationships and broken soul ties. 
To know me is to know the people I love, the people that make any house feel like a home. But somehow, I look to these same people as my refuge, sharing for the sake of my own validation and the approval of others without the gospel. I've been tying my soul to people that left us both dying because idols keep lying that they will satisfy our hearts, yet only God can make us whole. No wonder I had an orphan spirit, longing to belong in all the wrong places. Thank God that he doesn't leave me just in my mess. Christ rescued me. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I am the way and the truth and the life. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He gives me belonging and value all by being my dwelling place. And that has changed my world. Secure in a life with Christ. Secure because I am his daughter. What grace to be loved in the midst of utter brokenness. What grace to be his. Up until now, I've shared how God has been working in my life, turning my mourning into dancing and uprooting the garden of my heart. But I find part of becoming no longer strangers is not in sharing the redemptive parts of my story, but also in parts where I still struggle. I struggle because I'm human, desperately needing his grace. I mean, God even named me grace. Yet, isn't it ironic that I struggle to show myself the literal meaning of my name? I'm quick to guilt trip myself, yet slow to forgive. Often I believe my fears more than believing in and receiving his grace. This is the fight of my life, to believe that his grace is what governs my worth and value, and that grace requires nothing of me. When I see the cross, I see freedom. Free of the chains that Christ has broken, free to make mistakes, free to be myself, free to be human. So this is the end of my spoken journal section, but not the end of my journey of seeing myself, other people, this world, and God more accurately and clearly. It's actually only the beginning. It's hard, very sobering, often painful, but never lonely. God is with me in the lowest valleys and the highest mountaintops. This same God is with you, and I'm praying that you would believe this to be true. Before ending this whole episode, I'm going to answer some of your questions you sent via Instagram. First question, what are some pivotal moments and stories that led to creating No Longer Strangers? I love this question because looking back, it was the little moments, the conversations, the stories I've heard from all different types of people that created the heartbeat behind No Longer Strangers. This work of humanizing strangers through storytelling is as much theirs as it is mine. I hear stories like my dad, who just immigrated to the United States and juggled six part-time jobs, majority of which were under minimum wage, just to make ends meet. Jobs where he descaled fish, Bus tables, delivered dental supplies, delivered newspapers, organized library books, and took out the trash as a janitor just to provide for our family. The type of jobs that usually require longer hours, more labor, less benefits, and less family time. What parent wouldn't do anything for the better of their family? I hear stories like the janitors at my university 
Sam, Esther, and Danison. Side note, I changed their name and some identifying details just to protect their privacy. But they're more than just janitors. I first met Sam at an elevator. He was taking out the trash and my curious self just asked a bunch of questions. One conversation led to another and all of a sudden, I find out that Sam came to the United States because he was fleeing from the Salvadorian Civil War. He was fighting for his life just to survive. That also meant he had to leave behind his family. I can't even imagine how hard that was for him. He also left behind his dream of becoming a teacher, wanting to instill change into the next generation. Yet his dream, along with Sam himself, was met with rejection from a country he fled to for refuge. Some university students only saw him as a janitor, but I see Sam as a brave man that has endured the most unthinkable struggles and as an unsung hero that has taught me to see and treat people with dignity. Then I met Esther. She was the janitor assigned to the hall of my freshman year dorm, but she very soon became like a mom to me. Somehow we ended up having lunch together most Wednesdays of my sophomore year. It was honestly one of my top highlights of my time in college. During those times, I learned that she immigrated from Haiti in pursuit of a better life for her children. I also saw her handle some of the most dehumanizing treatments from students and supervisors with resilience and grace. To this day, no person has matched her resilience, and I have taken her story with me everywhere I go. Then there's Danison. He passed away three weeks after retiring from being a janitor at 71, and one year after I met him. Like Sam and Esther, Paul did the behind-the-scenes and often-neglected type of hard labor, like plowing the snow during a storm. You would always catch him wearing an Eskimo hat with a snowblower, maybe even with a smile if you just waved at him and said, Good morning, Danison! Just a simple act made him smile. How beautiful. The most moving story I've heard was actually through a podcast called Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'll link this episode in the show notes. To give you some context, Jamie interviewed this woman named Tess Clark who does amazing work with immigration and refugees. I'll also link their amazing organization called Seek Peace and We Welcome Refugees in the show notes. But anyways, in this episode, Tess shares a story of a woman she met at a detention center. This woman immigrated to the United States from Guatemala with her parents at age 14. 14 years later, she gets deported back to Guatemala in front of her two kids and separated from her family. She then gets a call from her husband that her second-grade daughter tried to end her own life. Though the mom fully knew she wasn't welcomed into the country of the free, she still tried to re-enter because she couldn't live with her daughter thinking that she didn't come for her, or even worse, that she had just completely abandoned her. I can almost feel her guilt, her grief, her pain. I wept and lamented for an hour after listening to that story. Because how can you possibly shake off that horror story about the unbearable and personal hell she was experiencing? How do you explain to a child of families being separated when it's their family? How do you explain to a child why the mom can't be home? It's important that I don't ever look away or forget. It's important that I sit in these uncomfortable and hard feelings I don't know this woman and her family personally, but I've heard her story. I saw her do something every mother would do, 
chase down their child. I saw the human side of her. I know I shared a lot of stories, but do you see the theme here? It was in these little moments, in the elevator, or the conversations about unfulfilled dreams, or the stories of who they are, where I got to see the human side of these one strangers. I don't know about you, but I see Christ in these moments, in how he treats people with dignity, restores their humanity, listens to the hurting, protects the most vulnerable, includes the excluded, heals the sick, empowers the marginalized, feeds the hungry, and loves sinners like you and me. To become no longer strangers is to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor is to do what Christ did with the most vulnerable. But don't be fooled. This doesn't come cheap and it takes everything. But it's worth it. Because Christ deeply cares, so must we. Okay, second question. How long have you known you wanted to go into a creative career? It's interesting because I don't really see myself as a creative person, but I've always loved storytelling, and I think using different creative outlets to tell stories is the goal. So whether it's filmmaking, podcasting, designing graphics, or taking pictures, it's important to capture people in moments and tell stories. So that's why I would say a great inspiration of mine is Humans of New York. Okay, next question. What do you fear the most? I told my friend this one time, and they literally thought I was crazy, but hear me out. I am terrified of getting into a car accident. I think having that fear is totally normal, but the level of which it takes over my mind is really unhealthy. Like, I'm serious when I tell you, I literally think of how someone could hit me every time I drive. I think this is where my Enneagram 6 really shows when I'm constantly worrying about the worst-case scenarios. But yeah, I don't know where this fear comes from, considering that I've never been in a serious car accident. Like, when I was younger, if my parents didn't answer the phone after I called once, I'm already preparing myself to face the fact that my parents died. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. They got into an accident and they died. I'm, my life is over. It's, I'm over. It's over. When in reality, maybe they were just probably busy. So yeah, name three bucket list goals. Okay, one, fun fact, I love board games. Current favorite is code names. So I would love to create a board game. That'd be really cool. Two, I would love to do a cross-country road trip hitting up all the national parks. And three, so anyone who knows me knows I love hot sauce. So I would love to create my own hot sauce. Like, can you just imagine a hot sauce lover creating her own hot sauce? You better bet I'll carry that hot sauce with me everywhere I go. Also, question for you all. What's your all-time favorite condiment? Do you even like condiments? This is a serious question because sauces are what enhances every food. You really have to let me know at We're No Longer Strangers on Instagram. Because I feel like condiments can be a hot topic. Get it? Hot topic? Hot sauce? <laughs> okay, anyways. But if making my own hot sauce is impossible, then I would like to do a taste test and rank all the hot sauces from best to worst. Can you tell I put a lot of thought into this? <laughs> all for hot sauce, but it's worth it. Okay, next question. How do you see yourself in three main words? I would say... I'm doubtful, fun, 
and inclusive. Hopefully I show that through my actions and don't really have to explain myself here. What are some of your favorite podcasts? This is hard, but... Well, I mentioned Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, but some other ones that come to mind in no particular order are Annie and Eddie Keep Talking, just imagine an Enneagram 7 and an Enneagram 4 talking about the most random, fun topics, because that's what it is. It's been nice listening to something fun and lighthearted during a pandemic. Speaking of Enneagram, the Typology podcast has been a helpful personality type tool in getting to know myself and other people better. Next is the New Activist podcast, presented by the International Justice Mission. You can probably tell by the title, but they interview activists and world changers about different topics of injustice in this world. Each episode just sheds light to how we can widen our care for different people groups. It's worth your time, trust me. Then we have 30 Minutes with the Perrys. Two of my favorite spoken word artists speaking straight fire. That's biblically sound and a little too real. That's all I'll say about that. Next, we have the Michelle Obama podcast. The queen herself graces us by chatting with her friends, exchanging stories, laughing, and reminding us of the importance of caring for people. Last but definitely not least, and maybe the most personal, is the Same Boat podcast, hosted by a pastor-turned-therapist that shares stories and teachings of heartache, imperfect faith, and grace. Personally, it's just refreshing to hear a voice from someone that looks like me as a Korean American. On top of that, this show echoes the same message of humanizing strangers through storytelling. Each episode, each story is so real and honest about being human, imperfect, and in need of his grace. I highly, highly suggest you listen. I'll also link all the podcasts I mentioned in the show notes. Okay, last question. What's your most embarrassing story? Um, I'm actually going to leave you with a little bit of suspense because I'm going to save this question for when my friend Jane comes on as a guest, since she was there when this incident happened. And trust me, it was so, so embarrassing. (laughs) So tune in then. the end of this episode here are some questions to think about what are you afraid to tell god what is your foundation made up of tell god all those things and see how he'll meet you right where you're at and fulfill your needs i hope you enjoyed today's episode and got to know more of who i am as your host and more importantly who god has always been and will always be glory be to god because he's the reason for this growth and thanks be to god for calling us no longer strangers first. Don't forget to let me know what your favorite condiment is on Instagram at we're no longer strangers. I'm very curious to see if there's any better condiment out there other than hot sauce. While you're there, tell Chin Tik Hong thanks for creating the music for today's episode. All right, friends, go do something fun with a friend or a stranger that turned into a friend, and I'll see you next week. Bye, friends. Mm-hmm.